What's going on, friends? My name is Jake McMahon. I am the campus pastor of the Park Hill Campus of Restore, and I'm just, I love getting to hang out with you online. It's one of my favorite places to be. And something you should know about me before we go any further, I am a huge fan of animated movies, specifically Disney Pixar movies. And you're like, oh yeah, Jake, I know you. You have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. I have to be honest and admit that when I was in college, I would go with my college roommates to see Disney Pixar movies. Yes, that's how, how much of a Disney Pixar fan I am. And there's one specific deep cut movie that I don't feel like gets enough credit. And it's Disney's Pixar movie from 2015 called Inside Out. And I'm sure you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about Inside Out. It's not like the Toy Story level, but it is an amazing movie. I was watching it, preparing for this message, and it, just go back and watch it, it will take you on an emotional journey. But if you haven't seen it, let me give you kind of the preface of, of the understanding of the story. So the main character of the story, her name is Riley, and Riley is an 11-year-old girl, and what we do is we get this perspective of looking inside of Riley's head at her emotions, how she sees the world. And every time an, a memory is created, is, it is attached to a specific emotion, and there's different characters for each one of these emotions. The five characters or the five emotions in the movie are joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. And you see this memory bank consistently throughout the movie of memories that Riley develops in each emotion that's associated with each memory. Now, one of the most important parts of the film is this idea of the core memories. The core memories, and there's only a few of them. And they're, they're like in this central part of the emotion system or wherever the emotions are hanging out. And Joy, her, her focus is to make sure that every single core memory is attached with joy. No other emotion can have a core memory. They can hang out in the other spaces, but Joy wants to have a core memory that is attached to her emotion. And you see throughout the entirety of the movie, Joy trying to hyper-control this entire experience that Riley is having. And we get to this point where, towards the end of the movie, each emotion gets to be paired with one another inside of Riley's core memories. And so when I was preparing for this, this talk, I started thinking about my core memories. Like I tried to think of my core memories, the things that I can think of as early as like four, five, and six years old. And one core memory that comes to my mind is my dad. My dad would wake me up when I was ages seven, eight, and nine years old. He would wake me up at 5.30 in the morning. He would tap me on the shoulder on Sunday mornings and he would say, Jake, do you want to come with me? And I would wipe the sleep from my eyes, usually begrudgingly get out of bed, and I said, yeah, I'd love to, Dad. And every single morning for three years when I was in elementary school, every Sunday, I would wake up with him, I would get in his car, and we would drive to church together. I got to help out on the setup team. We stopped at Speedway for him to get his coffee. Then we would stop at Krispy Kreme to get donuts for the volunteers. It's this core memory that's ingrained. And I know I'm certain that I wasn't helpful as a seven, eight, and nine-year-old, 
But the fact that my dad wanted to spend time with me, that memory is so joyful. And it's ingrained and it's deep and it was over 25 years ago. Another memory that I have, um, not as joyful a memory. I was in second grade. I don't even remember why, but we, uh, maybe you were in second grade, you had this uh, piece of paper, you had to do like math problems. It was like a timed math quiz. And I know there's a name for it and I can't remember, but we had our multiplication tables and you'd flip over the paper and the teacher would give you 60 seconds to fill out as many as you possibly could. And that was just helping you improve from week to week. I heard the timer go off. I'm doing my math problems and I heard the timer go off and then I kept going. And I heard her say, Jake, stop. And I kept going. And I heard her, Jake, stop. The timer is up. And then I eventually stopped. I don't really know what my motivation was, why I wanted to, like I wanted, I wanted to be the best in the class or I wanted to please my, I don't really know why I didn't listen to the timer. But this was, I think my second offense at this point, so much so that my teacher felt compelled to tell my parents that I had cheated on my math quiz. And I remember sitting down and having a conversation with my parents later that day. And they were disappointed. And they said, Jake, why, why, why did you feel like you, you were so compelled to cheat? And I don't even remember what my answer was or the why. But I remember feeling the disappointment and the sadness that like I had disappointed my parents, I had disappointed myself. They weren't expecting me to get a perfect score on the test. But the sadness of that core memory is, is still pretty strong. Then in high school, when I was a sophomore, my parents decided to move from Chicago to Kansas City to plant a church. And this is probably one of my strongest core memories that I have to date. And if you've seen Inside Out, this is the epitome of a core memory that is mixed with multiple different emotions, overlaid with joy. When they told me we decided to move, joy was my first response. I was excited that we could to do something new and exciting in Kansas City and watch people come to know Jesus. Like, that's what reigned true. But the weeks following, anger, fear, sadness were consistent. And that core memory has so much enveloped inside of it and it, it's so powerful, a core memory, that it, it still informs today how I see the world, why I'm in vocational ministry, why I'm on staff at Restore. The church that we planted 16 years ago is the church that I'm now at after a journey of being away for multiple years. The interesting part is, as I think about these core memories, there's one thing that they all have in common. All of these core memories involve my parents. And if I asked you right now, what are some of your core memories? Think your earliest memories. I would imagine several of your memories are from your relationship with your parents. Some joyful memories could be like your, your mom taking you out for ice cream after winning your first ever softball game. Four-wheeling with your dad at your grandparents' cabin every summer. Baking a birthday cake with your parents in the kitchen together for your sister's 10th birthday before she got home from school. 
you walking into your parents' bedroom at age six because you heard the thunder in your room and it shook the house and you were scared and the memory that you feel when they embraced you and they snuggled with you in their bed and the safety that you felt in that moment. Or maybe your core memory is your parents talking to their friends about how you wet the bed until you were 10 years old. Or sitting outside of the school waiting for your grandma to pick you up because your dad forgot again. Or the screaming match that you got into with your mom when she found out who your new boyfriend was. Or the, the, the yelling that rings true of listening to your parents scream in the other room. That memory that you just can't get out of your head. The fear of having to tell your parents that you failed math class sophomore year of college and you're going to have to take it again next year. Watching your dad leave for the last time from your bedroom window. Or your mom passed out on the couch again from a day of binge drinking. Today we're in week four of this series uh, we're calling Through the Years. And over the last three weeks, we've talked about the parent-child relationship through the years. Week one, focusing on ages zero to 12. Week two, focusing on ages 13 to 18. Week three, ages 18 plus. And how do we parent children in those age ranges? And what is our relationship as children to our, our parents? And what does it look like? So that leads us to today. And I wanted to start off thinking about the core memories because what we're going to focus on today is, an, is hopefully an opportunity for you to create new core memories or to reframe old core memories, whether they're positive or negative, these core memories that lead us to see the world a certain way. But today, week four, we have this beautiful opportunity to talk about God. God, our Father, the perfect parent. And our role as his family, the church. Because no matter how amazing your parents were and how much, or how much they messed up, my hope is that you leave after watching and engaging with us online today knowing how much your heavenly Father loves you and wants a relationship with you. Louis Giglio, he's a pastor and writer. He, he wrote this book uh, called the Seeing God as a Perfect Father. And in the book, he says this quote. He says, whether we think about the potentially painful experience or the happy experience of knowing the embrace of our earthly dad, most of us would admit we really want and need the blessing of a father. We want to hear our dad say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm here for you. I don't know what your relationship was like with your parents. But I think that that statement that Louis Giglio said is unbelievably true. That we want someone, specifically our parents, to see us and say, I love you. I care for you. 
I'm proud of you. I'm here for you. That's ultimately what we desire. What I do know is that your Heavenly Father is saying every single one of those things about you. Paul talks about this type of relationship that we have to our Heavenly Father in the book of Romans. He says this, For those that are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Adoption into a relationship with God is incredibly beautiful. And I want to paint this picture for you. I want to paint this picture that God made a decision to choose to be in relationship with you. That he so deeply desires a relationship with you that he was going to go through every single length that he could to have a relationship with you. He wants to be in right community with you. He wants to play the role as father forever with you. This adoption goes even beyond God's relationship with us as Father, but morphs into this shift that happens when Jesus shows up on the scene. And that shift takes place when Jesus shows up and he establishes his church. The church as family, the children of God. Pastor Bruce Miller, he talks about the shift and he says this, He says there's a huge shift in the focus of God's plan with the coming of Jesus. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see the shift from the physical tribe of Israel to the spiritual body of Christ. The church replaces the tribe as the fundamental community. God's family is no longer tied to the the genealogical lineage, but now to the salvation In Jesus. You see, in the days of the Old Testament, family was extremely important. You were literally known by your relationship to your father. Like, it would be described as you were the son of. Like, I would be Jake, the son of Troy. Or you would be Adam, the son of Evan. You would have your name and your family's name associated very closely to who you were. Genealogy in family was extremely important. And here's why. Because God is establishing his people through the nation of Israel. He starts with this in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. And he, and he says this. He said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Did anyone else grow up in church? And they sang the song, Father Abraham? 
I'm not going to sing the song for you, but here, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. That's like the opening verse. Even in our churches today, who we are not Israelite people, still sing about Father Abraham. It was where God establishes his people. Your family origin was everything. It was important that you were attached to the lineage of Abraham. But as we all know, back in the garden, sin had entered the world. And from that day, God has been pursuing you and us to have a right relationship with him and to have us as heavenly father. And that plan from the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was to come. God had so much love for his creation that he wanted a right relationship with us, his family. And he sends Jesus to pay the penalty for the sins that we've committed. He knew that a perfect and blameless sacrifice had to come down to earth. And it was in this day that it was no longer going to be just the nation of Israel, but luckily for me and likely luckily for you, a Gentile like me who has not known the tribe of Israel was going to be allowed to have a right relationship with the Father and Jesus was going to take that pain. Jesus knew he was called for this. He calls God Father 165 times. He knows his role. And he knows he's supposed to help write the relationship between us and our Father. It's through his word, his death, and his resurrection, and it changes everything. I'm not sure where you're at on your journey. I don't know about the core memories of your family of origin and the relationship you have with your parents or don't have with your parents. But my hope is that the Heavenly Father that said, I want a relationship with you is going to either today or has established a core memory that informs the way that you see the world. That every single person should be either invited into relationship with Jesus or you now get to be invited into the family. Wherever you're at, you probably have one of two next steps. Maybe your next step is to join the family. To trust in God the Father. To believe that he loved you so much that he would send Jesus to have a relationship with you, his one and only son. There's an old hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. And in that hymn, it talks about sending Jesus for a wretched sinner like me. That's how deep his love is for you. And if you think just for a minute that you are unworthy of God's love, It is the biggest lie that anyone, Satan included, could tell you. Because from the day you were born, he has been running after you and wants a relationship with you. And if you are ready today to join the family, to join in God's family, be heirs with Christ, I want you to comment in the chat below. Let us know. Here's what we want to do. We want to come to you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to baptize you. We want to go on this journey and invite you to be part of the family.
because of all the core memories I have, the ones that are the strongest in my life are those dedicated on the person of Jesus and me wanting others to find the same hope that he offered me. So if you have been invited to be a part of the family, your next step is to invite someone to the family. Because I know we all have a relationship with someone that doesn't have the hope that we've received in the person of Jesus. A father that is running after us, a core memory that is foundational on our faith and relationship with him. There are people that do not have that. And their core memories of brokenness ring true in the way that they see the world. My hope is that you'll invite someone in. You will invite them in to join in the family that they can have a relationship with our perfect parent, our Heavenly Father. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that we get to have a relationship with you. Thank you that you want a relationship with us. You could have done it a thousand other ways. You could have been expecting us to do all the right things so that we could earn a relationship with you, but for some reason you did not. But from the beginning, you wanted a relationship with your creation, your children, and you established that through the person of Jesus, your church, your family. God, thank you for that gift. My prayer this morning is that anyone on the other side of this screen is maybe hearing this for the first time and they, they choose to join the family and someone is hearing there saying, I know I'm who I'm supposed to invite to the family, that we are compelled by your spirit to move. Move into action and trust in you as our perfect father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.